2: Welcome back, Bears fans. This Friday edition of the CO Bears podcast, also known as CO Audible Day. And I know that we are now done with those weekly game preview episodes. It's January 12th. We're officially in off-season mode, but we're still gonna kind of keep these audible vibes alive here on Fridays, which starts right now with a throwback state of the franchise episode with our focus, beginning with the Chicago Bears offense. I'm Will DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-host, as always, Nicholas Moriano. Nick. You hanging in there? The weather is just crazy right now.
0: Yeah, it's really coming down. I think it's you know for this hour at least. I think it's calmed down, so we can have a really smooth podcast. But I was having a little bit of a uh, some Wi-Fi issues earlier in the in the day. But it looks looks like I'm coming in right. It looks like it's gonna last, and we're gonna have a great show.
2: It you're you're smooth. You're not cut. Actually, it looks better than last week. I'll be very honest. So maybe they reset the system. We love you. Uh, you know your Comcast. You know I was gonna say your internet provider. Doesn't really matter. We don't have any of those here. Uh, but regardless, I-, I wish you luck and us luck throughout this episode here. Uh, so as I mentioned, it is the state of the franchise series. We're gonna begin to lay out the blueprint for the off season, and we do that by auditing every single position. Uh, we're gonna share our opinions on the current state of each. Share our confidence level at those positions. Play a long-time game that we've done forever called Pass or Play with some key in-house free agents who maybe should be re-signed in Chicago and a whole lot more. Before we get started, of course, give this video a thumbs up. We would really appreciate seeing those numbers kind of trickle up throughout the entirety of the episode. And hey, you know, for us gutting it through potential Internet problems, I, I think that deserves a thumbs up here by itself but nick are you ready to begin state of the franchise state of the chicago bears offense 2024
0: 2024 will it's uh like you said a reoccurring segment new year completely stoked to go through this with you let's go
2: I had to dive a few years back, actually, to to like find the format. Uh, We haven't done this since we've been a part of CHGO. So it's something I had to go back into like the old audible email account, the Google Drive, scour through those documents, found it. And luckily, we're going to have a really fun episode here. So now it's time to put the Chicago Bears offense under the microscope. This is a unit that finished the 2023 season 20th in yards per game, which is actually plus eight compared to a season ago, 18th in points per game, plus five. 27th in passing, also plus five. Second in rushing, they went down one. You can blame Lamar Jackson for that. 12th on third down, plus one. And then 13th in red zone efficiency was actually exactly the same ranking that they had a year ago. And just by sharing this, you can kind of see there was some modest growth from the Bears offense, but it wasn't enough, especially through the year and all reasons why the Chicago Bears decided to part ways with Luke Getze. And now the Bears are, of course, in search for a new Offensive coordinator and early Nick. I don't think there's any better way to kick off today's show, rather than discussing a couple of our favorite candidates for the position. Because honestly, without a leader, it's difficult to determine the actual state uh, of mm-hmm. you know a personnel grouping, an offense here right now. And I, I know we each have a couple. I boiled mine down to one just with all the research I've been doing for the past few days. Uh, but I'm gonna delegate and I'm gonna hand it over to you. Who is an intriguing candidate that you would be? you know, interested in the bears potentially hiring for the OC position.
0: Yeah. Let's just go with the one that's already been reported with Shane Waldron, who is the OC for the Seattle Seahawks the past three seasons. And, you know, has been requested for an interview by the bears. But when I look at Shane Waldron, this is a guy and just looking at the Seahawks offense, what they're able to do this year, total yards, 21st, like you mentioned the bears are 20th passing yards were 14th compared to the bears, 27th rushing yards. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks were uh, 28th, and like you said, Bears were second. Points per game, 17th. Bears were 18th. So you kind of see the metrics there, but what I like about Shane Waldron and just that offense that they ran there in Seattle, especially just last season, I think of, you know, I go back to what it can look like at its peak, and there is the primetime game against the Cowboys where the Seahawks did end up losing that game. I believe it was 41-35, somewhere along those lines. And it was a game where it wasn't just one guy attacking this Cowboys talented defense. Like, yes, DK Metcalf went off for six receptions, 134 yards, three touchdowns. But there were design plays for Jackson Smith and Jigba, the rookie wide receiver. There were design plays for Tyler Lockett to be the main focus. Even Noah Fant, their very talented mm-hmm. tight end, got some, got some good yards and plays in that game. And what I really liked, what we don't usually see enough of in the Bears' offense under Luke Etsy. they had DK Metcalf lined up one-on-one, isolated to the left. Do you know what play, what route they ran from that spot? Well,
2: hmm, does it rhyme with Noah Fant?
0: Yes, yes, it sure does. There were just slant. There was just there were times where it made so much sense. You have your best playmaker lined up outside. Let's give him one-on-one with a whatever the DB was. And let's give our playmaker an opportunity to win that matchup and go make some explosive plays. So I really love to see that. They uh, they run a lot out of the shotgun. Obviously, Shane Waldron also has ties to McVay. So you have that, uh, I think, spurted and wrinkled into what he likes to do offensively. So the more I was just watching that game and then seeing, well, whether it's Justin Fields or it's Caleb Williams, that's left for you know another day, I think you just mm-hmm. the concepts the ideas that he's bringing to the table. So I think that when we're looking at possible next guys to overtake the over the offensive coordinator position, I want guys like that. They're going to be intuitive, give their playmakers chances to make plays, utilize all the weapons on the field. I think there were so many times too where it was DJ Moore, maybe at times Cole Komet or nothing. And that that needs to be out of this. Exactly. Well, it needs to be out of this because what you heard from Matty Reflues, Ryan Poles at the end of your press conference, you got to be able to adapt. They take away that number one. Can you go and utilize somebody else? So, you know, obviously there's so much to go into with with who can possibly be the next OC, but those are just some of the top things from just my research that I really like from Shane Waldron and why, like, the Bears already have looked to request an interview for him to be potentially the next OC. I,
2: I like everything that you're throwing down there. You may have got ahead of the episode a bit with some of the opportunities this Bears offense has uh, to be better next season. But uh, the fact that you were pretty much painting a picture right on the bullseye that I have zeroed in, in my notes for later on just goes, you know, we're always on the same page. So I'm not super surprised. I saw a question from Victor. Nick, are you from Waukegan? Yes, he is. I am Victor. <laughs> so, hey, well, watch out. Maybe you and Victor know each other here, uh, which is really, really cool. So I was preparing for this episode yesterday. You and I were kind of discussing what we wanted to do. We were like, hey, you know, say the franchise. Like, those are always fun. And, and offensive coordinator talk. And I was like, you know who I like? I like Clint Kubiak and within what two three hours later the report came from Jeremy <laughs> Fowler that hey the Bears are looking to interview Kubiak here so I got very excited by that news and it kind of put me in overtime mode uh, to really start researching him right now so I know you went more like you know what offense from Seattle and some things you saw on film I'm going more like resume based so we're going to have a couple of different like approaches here uh, so learning more about Clint I saw a video on the Denver Broncos YouTube channel, like interviewing him after he got the job there a couple of years ago, he talks about, you know, he's big about accountability. He stresses the process over results. He loves to make practices stressful so that the games are easy, which sounds very similar to the hits philosophy and how Iberflues kind of goes throughout his practices. He likes to bring a collaborative mindset to his offense, both with other coaches and his players when it's coming, when they're creating the playbook. He's also known for being QB friendly. And of course his dad, a uh, very same thing throughout the majority of his career. I asked Zach Stevens over at our you know sister company, DNVR. Hey Zach, what do you, what do you like or don't like about Clint Kubiak uh, from his time in Denver? And he's like, dude, this guy's a total footballer for life. He's been around so many good coaches. He has a lot of experience for being so young and every experience that I had with him was positive. He's a very good guy. So I like getting that. First hand report again only 36 years old the 49ers passing game coordinator and, and like i literally have a whole page of notes yeah. here uh, that i kind of want to sift through real quick uh just looking at denver specifically he took over play calling in week 11 of that year and the final five weeks of that season his offense averaged 24 24.2 points per game earlier in the year they were lucky to get nine 11 points uh, so to kind of see him figure things out was very exciting, and then as the Vikings offensive coordinator in 2021, they were 14th in points, 12th in yards, first in taking care of the football, the least amount of turnovers in the league, 11th in passing, ninth in passing touchdowns, ninth in the red zone, and of course, he had Jefferson Thielen, KJ Osborne, who had his best year, and then he's coached for his dad, Leslie Frazier, Zimmer, Shanahan, and then just looking at the 49ers this year, obviously there's a ton of talent there, and You have to take that into the equation. But, Nick, I found – you know I love stats, and you know I love numbers. I found perhaps one of my favorite stats of all time right now. Ready for this one? Yep. The the 49ers, they are last in the NFL in passing attempts. However, they are fourth in passing yards and second in passing touchdowns. Talk about efficiency. Yep. Talk about efficiency. So, I I like Clint. I I think from him, you know, being – a son of a lifer, you know, NFL coach uh, and Gary Kubiak, you know, he has this in his DNA. He's been around professional football his entire life. Uh, and I think the Bears are doing the right thing by interviewing him. Of course, obviously, I'm not going to be in that room. I'm not going to know what they're talking about. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think he is right now my favorite candidate until they hire someone and whoever that is maybe they'll become mm-hmm. my favorite after the fact uh but hopefully it's clint uh again as of january 12th at uh what noon uh that's that's where i'm at
0: no uh, look both these guys too have ties back to the shanahan tree with yep mcveigh and uh you know so i think that's always a look i think for offenses now in the nfl that's that's a tree you want to pick apart pick from right when you go outside of that, I think that's where, you know, there are some unknowns as to exactly how these offenses can, I don't know, excel maybe in this league, because everyone wants a piece of like what's really working right now. And obviously it is an offense that you look over at, you know, just different teams that have those descendants, obviously they work. And I'm, you know, Luke Getzey was actually supposed to be part of that, you know, with LaFleur mm-hmm. who came from, but obviously things don't work. So it's not a guarantee, but I do like just the direction of how they're looking at these things um i'll say that's a like, question if go, yeah go
2: ahead you you can say what you wanted to real quick that's not a problem
0: no no uh, so i was just gonna say like you get these guys but you gotta have you can't you have to have your own wrinkle to it right mm-hmm. like you can't be not everyone's gonna be shanahan so then whenever what whoever these descendants are that go off to these new teams get their opportunities they need to bring their own version of that offense with them to make it their own. Because if you're only trying to replicate what's working in San Francisco, you're not going to succeed. That's why it's just mm-hmm. so important that these guys who learn under these, these, you know, offensive masterminds, they do have a plan in place for themselves. You, we saw it
2: directly with Matt Nagy, Andy Reed, where it just did not hold. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that may have been a uh, different in a bad way. Uh, and yeah. The example that I always throw up, and it's on defense, uh, but it, the same principles apply, is when the Bears let go of Levy Smith, brought in Mel Tucker, and like, hey, run Levy's defense. That did not work. Uh, you know, Mel didn't have his autonomy. Uh, so you do need to be able to, if you don't believe 100% what you're coaching, or if it's not authentic and it's not you, then it's not going to come across, and it's going to be, you know, you, you don't want to be the cheap knockoff uh, of another mm-hmm. system. Yeah. You want to be like you said, your own. Uh, my question for you is. Oh, go ahead, Greg.
1: Yeah, I actually had a question just in in regards to this because, like, these last these first two candidates they've put out there. I'm curious to hear your guys' opinion on this. Is with Walt, like, like you said, West Coast Shanahan style, and that's the branch that Luke Getzey came from. Are you surprised that that's what they're looking into? Does that give a tell? Like, some people are taking that, like, oh, you know, that could be something that like keep fields in the same system he's been in, but with a different guy, or is this more to do with the offensive line and the personnel that they have to run outside zone? You know, like I just find it interesting because it just seems like there hasn't been much success with fields in this offense. So is, would it be smarter to try to find something outside of the West coast that would be better for him? Or is it smarter to try to find an offense that he's been, you know, learning the last couple of years or, or does it mean that they're moving off of him? Like it's like 10 different questions in one.
2: (laughs) It is, um, but it's okay. I can decipher through all of that. I personally think they're going to go with the best coach, not the best, not the scheme. And maybe they have a preference of scheme. However, I think they're going to try to find the best leader for this offense and whoever has the best vision for it, regardless who's under center, whether that's Justin, whether that's Caleb, whether that's somebody else, uh, but I can see the benefits of keeping a similar scheme for the continuity. Uh, but obviously what the Bears are hoping to achieve here is finding a better play caller uh, to set up hit the personnel and these players for more success on game days, which was the question I was going to post to Nick. So we, I just answered and segued in yet again. Uh with play calling, how big of a priority would it be for you to maybe bring in someone that does have that prior experience? That's the one thing about Clint that I personally mm-hmm. do like. He's done it in Minnesota. He's He did it a little bit there in Denver. And every time he's lost his job, it's not because he was bad. It's because the head coach ended up being fired, and then they had to start all over again, and he goes elsewhere. So for me... I, I don't want to start from ground zero again from a play caller. I don't want to take someone who's green and have to have, you know, go through those, you know, growing pains yet again. I want for someone who had experience, even if it was good and bad experience that they can grow off of, learn from and, and be better this time around. I, I We've done so many guys with no play calling experience whether it be coach Nagy, whether it be, you know, Dow Loggins, I mean, it's just over and over and over again. And for this bears team for the past decade plus, and it's time to bring in someone with experience that can command that leadership right away. Yeah. Well, for me,
0: I value that. And I think that next OC, regardless, regardless if its fields or or Williams, who's at, uh, you know, quarterback next season, I want him to be paired with somebody who's had experience. Shoot, Mm -hmm. add Luke Getze to your list of people who didn't have that play calling experience coming in. And to me, and I I really liked what you said, well, whether it's good or bad, but you've gone through it and hopefully you found ways to adjust for the next time you get that opportunity. I do value that. And that's why both, you know, the candidates that we've selected, it's good that they do have that experience and you know, like, Like um, Kubiak, Waldron's also had some experience working under guys that, you know, guys that have been to Super Bowls when you go to Bill Belichick and you also go to McVay, you also go to with Pete Carroll. So I value that, too, in terms of just the experiences they can lean on and just the people they've been around to when, you know, you get to a situation like Chicago, which will ultimately be new for them that they can lean on some of those past experiences to help them through whatever it is that they're going through. As we all know, the bears like to go through storms here in Chicago and they literally stay in storms (laughs) throughout the entire season. So (laughs) you gotta be able to navigate that once it happens here in Chicago. But, you know, I just think that too, it's, it's going to be like, we were talking about uh, what Greg was mentioning about, like, is it a tell? Well, I don't know if it, I don't know if it is it, like when you watch Luke gets offense and that's why he's obviously gone. There are a lot of things that just didn't make a lot of sense. Like, I think the scheme works, but how you, you matched the timing of Justin Fields drop back with the route concepts and the spacing plays were dead before they even, even actually got started. So mm-hmm. you're hoping that even with a similar type of scheme or style that, whoever the play caller is, can just put those players in a better position to actually execute those plays and give opportunities for whoever's at quarterback to execute them like they're intended to. So I don't think that was really done very well when Luke Getzi was here. Also, you know, if we're talking about like what they might run, they did retain Chris Morgan, who is primarily work with that outside zone running scheme. So Mm -hmm. I'm look, just being smart, I would think they'd want to bring in a offensive coordinator that probably runs that style is going to utilize that type of rushing attack. So it doesn't put Chris Morgan in a weird spot. Oh, learn some. Not look, he's going to know how to teach it, but primarily that's what he, he knows how to do the outside zone scheme. So you want to pair those two instead of making another complication for a new staff that's coming in. So that's just uh, kind of my thoughts on it.
2: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense and play calling. It's a skill. It is, it's it's yeah. different than, you know, coaching guys up uh, and, you know, understanding the offense. It is an actual skill when you're in the game, the clock is ticking. You got to get that play call in immediately, make decisions on the fly. Just again, I coach middle school football. I am not equating the two whatsoever. However, when I was calling plays for an offense, you'd be surprised how quickly that goes and how quickly you need to get those play calls <laughs> in and how little time you actually have to think. So instincts, uh experience those things will weigh heavily here uh and again it's a real feel it's not like madden where you get to see all the play art like you have to know Mm -hmm. you have to be able to read it visualize it and know that's the right play to put these guys in position based off what the defense has been showing you it is is a very difficult thing to do at the highest level and we've seen that in chicago and hopefully we find the right guy here but i think both of our guys uh that we mentioned here on the show waldron and kubiak are really two prime candidates and I'm excited uh, that the Bears are going in their direction for interviews. And of course, uh, just looking at some of the other candidates uh, that are available, we got Greg Roman, uh, Brian Fleury, Kellen Moore, and, and then Jared Johnson over there in the, with the Texans. Real
0: quickly, Will, before we move on from our offensive mm-hmm. corners that we're looking at, I also did a bunch of just homework on Kellen Moore. The more and more... Damn it. The, the uh, more the I looked into more... Kellen Moore, <laughs> it you know, it was kind of off-putting for me. And I don't know if that's gonna, you know, have uh, polarizing opinions in the chat here, but like I was reading a really good article by um let's see if I can find it real quick from The Athletic on just Kellen Moore and why it didn't work in um in Dallas. And a lot of what kept coming back was really Kellen Moore's inability to adapt it was from bob Sturm from the athletic why did the cowboys tire of Kellen Moore, and could he figure it out elsewhere he had basically three three big main takeaways for why it didn't work first one was play design was top notch but inconsistent what worked early on in the season it, it wasn't built on later mm-hmm. on in the season and the cowboys would get figured out and then there would be a sequencing issue and key moments during games the offense never found the solutions when you really needed to um the offense routinely faded he put after thanksgiving schematic issues team took away their takes away your tendencies and you're forced to counter didn't have the best counter punch and yet kellen moore too was able to you know was able to uh in 2019 2021 really execute and have that that cowboys offense humming so there are these, look, I think all these guys are going to have pluses, but we have to acknowledge the drawbacks for each of these guys too. And so Kellen Moore, for me, the the more I went into and just researched and saw like, well, why didn't it work there in Dallas? It didn't really, it didn't work in LA either for the one season. It kind of off put me. And then the the last one here is route concepts are never evolved into something better. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of stop power, stop patterns in the Cowboys offense and, What that refers to is basically the wide receiver facing the quarterback. So you think your comeback routes, your curls, hooks, things like that. There needs to be more move routes. And I think that's exactly the problem, too, what we saw with Getse. We didn't see enough guys on the run trying to get those opportunities for yards after the catch. So the more I looked into it, Kellen Moore, maybe not for me, but look, he's getting interviewed potentially to be the head coaching, uh, to be a head coach for the Chargers. So he's got experience, he's he's peaked and has done well in the NFL, but he's also had his lows. So it's a fascinating, you know, just, just the differences that you can have from season to season, but you got to be consistent. And that's what separates the good OCs from the bad ones and the ones that ultimately get fired.
2: Good point. But hey, as we said earlier, if you can learn from those experiences, that could be a thing. But I understand your thoughts on that. And basically what you're saying is sometimes – more is less. Huh? Yes, there you go. Perfect. All right, there we go. I had to throw a dad joke in before this ad break, so I want to let everyone here know about DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. That's right, Devin Hester-esque. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bonus. Well, I can stretch you throughout the entirety of the playoffs. Mention available lines and odds. Oh, that's me. I shouldn't be reading that. I'm sorry. It's been a long day. So actually, I'm going to read you some lines and odds here now. So currently, uh, the Browns are two-point favorites. You can get the Texans on that game for a money line at plus 114. Uh, The Dolphins are right now four-and-a-half-point dogs against the Chiefs here. It's going to be a cold game in Kansas City tomorrow night. Uh, Definitely check that one out. Steelers are nine-point underdogs. Right now, against the Bills, Packers are seven point dogs against the Cowboys, Rams are three point underdogs against the Lions, and the Buccaneers are three point underdogs uh, against the Eagles. Obviously, a lot of NFL action coming up here right now. So go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code CHGO. New customers can bet just five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8 877-8 Hope NY or text Hope NY. That is 467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call eight 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 seven eight nine seven 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 777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
0: There you go, Will. Uh, you know, for DraftKings player of the week, I'm I'm kind of building off the hype of the, the Bulls ring of honor uh gal that happened is, is going to be happening. No Michael Jordan, but that's okay. Cause the player of the week that I like is Kobe White. I'm doing a player combo. I don't know. A lot of people look into these, but over 31 and a half points, rebounds and assists for Kobe white tonight against the warriors. He's gone over that total. You guys, the last four games. And I'll tell you the last couple times I've been betting on Kobe white on this player combo, the points, rebounds and assists it's worked. So maybe check that out as you're looking to make your sports bets while you're staying inside, staying warm. And out of this crazy weather, we're having
2: awesome stuff there. It is getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles, and that's something we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it.
0: You know why, Well, Because the electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence towards an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van, a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense.
2: So what exactly should business owners do?
0: Yeah. So you can go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today. Switch to electric vehicles. Good for business. Good for the planet. Good really for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean.
2: just want to make sure I jot that down correctly. Did you say com slash clean?
0: It's exactly what I said, Will. Now go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come.
2: All right, Will DeWitt, Nicholas Moriano here on the CTO Bears podcast. Peanut says, hey, punch that like button, uh, just like he used to punch, well, you know, those balls. All right, so let's get into the state of the franchise positional assessment. Uh, This is going to be part one of this series. So today we're going to focus on the Bears quarterbacks and wide receivers, and we're going to follow up with running backs, tight ends, and the entire offensive line here next week. So let's go ahead and begin with the Bears QB situation, which obviously, Nick, is going to be a very straightforward and easy conversation. It's not complicated at all.
0: No. Yeah. I mean, this, we can wrap this up in like five minutes. We're going to have more things to talk about at the end of the show. Well,
2: <laughs> there we go. Obviously there's no way that we can squeeze what I think would be an appropriate amount of quarterback talk here. Uh it really is the most complex of a situation at this position uh, that the bears have been in in quite some time. If, Ever right now it's a real unique place to be in with Justin Fields on the team and holding that first overall pick for the second straight season. But hey, we're going to go ahead and give this thing a go. Uh, And to kind of begin this thing, uh, let's remember where we were a year ago. Last offseason, the theme was growth growth for justin fields as a passer and that's what we wanted to see out of him in 2023 that's what everyone was expecting to see and it just dominated every single conversation that we had throughout the entirety of the offseason the regular season and the, the entire year so nick i'm not going to put you on the spot here and say would you bring justin back do you want to draft a quarterback at number one i don't think the bears know what they're going to do yet so there's no reason for us to try to figure that out here today but with fields I think we can agree that we all saw growth from him this season, but my question to you is did he demonstrate and display a level of development that you hoped and maybe expected to see? I know those are two different things, but I figured to give you the space to kind of maybe explain both sides.
0: Well, I mean, it's a fascinating question. And even me processing it, like, I don't think it was enough growth. I was expecting more growth. But mm. there, there was there were steps that he took. Even if you're the biggest Caleb Williams supporter, that I think you have to acknowledge. You heard it from Ryan Poles himself in his end of the year press conference. He's not up there just bullshitting you. All right, he right. is p- keeping his eyes downfield longer. That doesn't necessarily mean the production is there because it look when you look at his numbers from 2023 to 2022, there wasn't that big of a jump. Not the jump that we were all kind of. Uh, hoping and expecting to see but i think when you look at justin fields what i did like about his 2023 season and i'll get to the negatives too i mean when the plays were to be had vertically downfield you you think of just atlanta you think of the commanders game there were big plays dimes explosive throws being completed to wide receivers, mostly to dj moore so you like that you like his ability to improvise because there were a lot of times where he had to do that. And again, he did keep his eyes downfield more this season as opposed to just taking off and running. That's why I think you see the rushing numbers are down from what he was able to do in 2022, but he's looking downfield to throw a little bit more. So I can acknowledge that and say that, but also before I, am not going to get to the negatives yet because I want to hear what you think will, mm-hmm. but there were those positives that I did see in this season where you did see a more comfortable field. But I want to give it to you, Will. What do you think?
2: It's such a tough, tough question. And that's why I asked them. I'd never shy away from asking you tough questions. So shame on you for throwing it back in my face. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Um, But still, like, I feel like I saw growth. Um, I, I wish we had more scoring production. That's the one area that I feel like we're still... Really struggling and I have more about that later on here in some of my notes Mm -hmm. when we get to the next segment here But but I wish you can see that touchdown ratio go up Uh, Obviously he did a better job of taking care of the football a little bit more than maybe in years past I do agree with you that we saw some more of those downfield plays a year ago and heck I'll say that he made some of the more simple plays uh, that maybe we didn't see his rookie season or last year But just like with you uh, If we were going back to like our mindset in July and like what we were hoping to see from Justin Fields with DJ Moore, second year in this system with Luke Getze. I I think we all expected, if we're talking about the jump, the Jalen Hurts Hurts was always like the the prototype of the jump we were hoping to see, and obviously he fell well below that threshold. Doesn't mean, I think if he sticks around for another year, I don't think it means he can't still make a jump, but typically and historically we would have seen a bigger one by now.
0: Yeah no well I mean that's that's a dilemma the bears are in and I know he said like not to keep him or whatever but it's like that's what you're basically asking yourself if you're Ryan Poles like can this guy be the not I don't I don't want to call him an outlier because I you know I haven't really seen like can it be done but if you give him another OC three and four seasons can that yep. be the thing that puts him over the top it's a, it's a very difficult question to ask but yeah, we're going to have literally the whole entire offseason to speculate whether or not that could happen, what the Bears could do.
2: Yeah, uh, and real quickly, I, I, we can talk Justin Fields for the entire episode, but this is an entire like assessment uh, that we're doing here for the State of the Franchise. So it's time to bring in Tyson Bajant into the equation here. You know, it's been a hot minute, Nick, since we got to talk about him on our shows because we're dedicated to game previews, and obviously we haven't seen him play uh, in quite some time. And he had some issues taking care of the football And I'm going to say outside of that, even though I know that's a huge thing, Uh, but outside of that, he didn't, you know, he looked, he looked good. Uh, There was some good in there. And for a kid that was in his first year after going on drafted, my assessment after just recollecting on it is that he just never looked or felt out of place. And I respect the hell out of him. Uh, For that. So going back over to you, Nick, you know, no matter who comes in to lead this offense as offensive coordinator and some other potential changes in that quarterback room, do you expect Tyson to be back next year? And if so, like, what are the positives that you want him to build on? And I, I do think like the turnovers is the biggest weakness that everyone can point to and say, like, you know, it was a little expected with the lack of experience, but moving forward, like it does need to be cleaned up.
0: It definitely does, but I think for a guy undrafted rookie out of Shepherd University to come in and do what he did, win two games like that. I mean, that's a win in itself for the development of what the you know, Luke Etsy, Andrew Junoka, what they're able to do with a guy like that and put him in there. And like you said, he didn't look out of place. He just he made mistakes as a rookie quarterback going and jumping from that level of competition. I think for me, if the Bears, I think the Bears will end up still keeping Tyson Bajan on this roster for next season. And when he is here, like I just want to see him like he he was able to execute the plays that were when you're kind of getting the ball out quickly. You think back to the Raiders game and you think back to um, Carolina, where the, the ball is getting out quickly and you're able to just get the ball to your playmakers, which is great. It's just the next step is then when you're looking to throw over the middle of the field. Like in that Saints game, there were passes that were slightly behind receivers. And is that arm strength? Is that anticipation? Is that well, the further that Tyson Bajan was throwing, we got to see that it got a little bit more sporadic at times. So I think that's going to come with more another year in this offense. Well, I, now it's a new offense. Mm-hmm. So another year of NFL <laughs> coaching, hopefully, can help him to be better. Uh, at, at those types of things but again i don't know what people were expecting out of tyson Bajant, but that whole i don't know what lane of bears fans are thinking he could be the next guy like there's there's levels to this and that he was he was he's on a, he's a backup for a reason and i think with coaching he'll get better but there's a reason why justin fields was the number 11 overall pick and why tyson bajin was undrafted and why Caleb Williams go first there's limitations to players but doesn't say that they can't get better so I really like just the again timing when it was on time for Tyson Bajan accurate pass Mm -hmm. got the ball to his playmakers you like that
2: and of course if the Bears want to keep him as like a quarterback too how I mean I'm open to challenging him and winning a spot Mm -hmm. again right you bring someone else in the camp earn it yet again but it goes back to the point that we talked about with the offensive coordinators Having a someone coming from the similar scheme to keep the transition as minimal as or you know as minimally difficult as possible, then that could also help not just if Justin stays around, but other guys in this room like Tyson. So it could have a lot of benefit for a multitude. Of reasons. Uh, Nick, what's like your number one thing you want to see the Bears quarterbacks improve on overall? You can go Justin specific, you can do quarterback specific, offensive specific based off the quarterback play, but just when you're looking for 2024, if the Bears can clean up X, w- the results will follow.
0: That's a really good question. Will. I think when you think of the right now, the Bears quarterback position or just, you know, the passing game, you know, the passing game, it It just didn't impact games as much as you would have liked it to. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if for whatever reason, zone uh, when when Justin Fields would play these zone level defenses when you look at the Packers games, they just did not find enough success there. So I would say that whether it's the guys that are currently here, that a rookie quarterback, you need to be able to have your passing game be a legitimate threat in the NFL because, these last two seasons under Getze finishing 27th in passing yards per game and then dead last in 2022, it just it, – the impact wasn't there enough consistently. And just to add one more thing to this, it's like when I'm watching this offense, I want it to make sense to me when I'm watching it. And mm-hmm. look, I get it. I'm not in these co- – obviously. But when I'm watching plays, you can maybe see where they wanted to go with it, but the offensive line didn't hold. There are too many times, and I think people can agree with this, when you're watching plays, you're watching something that just doesn't make sense. So if that, if we can limit those kind of things that happen throughout a season, I think that's going to be already a plus in the positive direction.
2: I think the good news is, and it's just my assessment, uh, as you know, and I think everyone listening knows, like over the years, uh, again, this is like off season eight, nine for us now. I'm, I'm tired of keeping track, but they just keep rolling on by. I've always been like really focused on Bears and haven't like consistently watched the other NFL games on a week to week basis. And it's something I usually catch up on in the offseason. This year is a little bit different. I watch a lot more games, and I will say watching other games put me at ease a little bit more watching Bears games because there's a lot of offenses that don't always make sense at all the time. Uh, And like Mm -hmm. there's ups and downs in every single game for most teams. Uh, So I'm just saying, like, obviously, we all wanted Getsy to move on and find someone else, but maybe the gap uh, isn't as drastic uh, as some may put it out uh, to be when I'm looking for like my high area level of improvement area. I'm going to go super specific here. I'm looking for red zone passing. It's something the Bears have not had in quite some time. Uh, Just looking at, you know, you you want a quarterback that once you're inside the 20, that you can really trust and rely on to throw the ball a a little bit more than maybe the Bears have down in this area of the field. When you look at uh, the Bears combined, uh, their quarterbacks had 11 red zone touchdown throws. Kirk Cousins had 10. And he didn't even play half of the season this year. Uh, Jordan Love threw 24. That's third in the NFL. Brock Purdy had 19. Uh, So you're just going to obviously score more points if you can effectively throw inside of the 20 and not have to always rely on the ground game. There are so many times where I feel like the Bears just got a little too predictable uh, inside the 20, and that was just due to some limitations, whether it be play call, personnel, Uh, What have you. And so for me, when I'm looking for growth, if the Bears can figure out and unlock whoever's that quarterback to be successful inside the 20 at a higher degree, I I, I think this offense will really start clicking.
0: No, really good point there. Well, too many games are won and lost in that exact area Mm -hmm. of the field. And, you know, the Bears are good at, you know, scripting plays to come out to games, Mm -hmm. but you can tell throughout the course of a game defenses would make those sl- maybe just even slight adjustments and get see this offense feel they just didn't figure that out. So again, games are won and lost there. So that's going to be a big component moving forward.
1: Let me ask you guys this real quick. Um, when you're talking about Tyson Bajan, uh, two quarterbacks the bears were really keyed in on in the offseason last year were Aiden O'Connell and Tyson Bajan. They brought Aiden in for some visits and Aiden had success as a starter and, and Bajan went two and two, you know, obviously we all understand it's in a backup role. Nobody's saying otherwise, maybe about either quarterback, but does that say, does like, I know Luke gets is gone and he was at the senior bowl with Bajan, but obviously Ryan Poles is in these evaluations mm-hmm. of these quarterbacks as well. So does that kind of speak to the type of quarterback Ryan Poles is looking for? Obviously maybe now that changes things with a new OC coming in.
2: That's a really good point. I think on my end, they just like Tyson's uh, who he was as a person, as well as all the experience uh, that he had, even if it was at the D2 level. I mean, that's the one thing I remember polls talking about right away. Like there is not a throw that he has not had to make. Like he has made Mm -hmm. all the throws and he has, you know, all those passing attempts that he had at college too. So I don't know if it was like more of like, you know, the quote type It's more as it was like the person and the player. Uh, but that's a very good question. And it's, it's one of those things that we can, we can guess all day, but the only person that knows is Ryan Poles, you know, Flus and the guys in that building, Nick, do you, have anything you wanted to add on that?
0: Yeah. Just real quickly, like with Luke gets, working so closely with him at the senior bowl, you had that. You had that insight that not a lot of other people had too, but yeah, there was a guy with a lot of experience, but I think people just overlooked as well just because he went to Shepherd University, Aiden O'Connell, that was Purdue, correct? So I just think that there was, I don't know, you can you can overlook guys when especially at smaller schools, but that's why the scouting department, you know, does the job they do. And you know, again, Tyson Bajan played well for what he was asked to do.
2: Nick, real quickly, what's your confidence level at quarterback heading in? I think this is a very interesting question. I'll give you mine first. That way you maybe take some pressure off of you. Weirdly, I'm at a seven. Uh, And the seven comes from if Ryan Poles believes Fields is the guy to build around and we get another weapon for Justin Fields on offense, because that's what will happen. I have no doubts that will happen. Awesome. If he believes that we need to go QB with the very first overall pick, you know what? That's something to to get excited about here, too. So I think the Bears are in a very good position. They have difficult decisions to make, and we hope and we pray they make the right ones. But regardless, they're in in an advantageous spot.
0: Yeah, well, um, you know what? I'm going to piggyback off you and go like a 7.3 because I do think, and I agree with you, they're in a good spot. Like whether or not, again, I think people are going to say if you stick with Fields, it's a disaster. I don't, look, I don't personally see it that way. I think, again, you get a more competent offensive play caller. You're going to add another weapon to, you know, just the offense. You're going to get more out of Justin Fields. But if you also go with Caleb Williams, the more and more time that I'm getting a chance to actually watch him, it's like, shoot, it is exciting for people that love Justin Fields and I get it, like Caleb Williams can still be an exciting player to you, no doubt about it. Right. So I think they're they are in a good position moving forward. Just which which one of those options takes the big get puts you in a better position as an offense to one actually good competitive but also take it to that next step we haven't seen that
2: no you're right we, we, we talked about it the jump wasn't really there it was more like a hop instead of a it jump was,
0: <laughs> definitely a right. hop
2: All right, let's go ahead and take our uh, time out here. Uh, Let's get to a couple more reads. On the flip side, we're going to dive into the Bears' wide receivers. I think there's a lot of good stuff to get into uh, over there uh, with that position. Uh, But with Empire Today, you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low price guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring. So, of course, they're going to have copycats. But Empire, they just can't be beaten on quality, service, speed. So the competitors will advertise low-quality products that Empire simply will not. Carry Empire won't promise lowest prices because anyone who does that is putting flooring in your home they're not going to be putting it in theirs. So they, what I love about Empires is that they keep shopping for floors simple with a curated product selection. Again, uh, they want to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out is just as important as what they put in. They pr- exhaustively come through thousands of product samples to find the perfect styles. And I love their virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how floors are going to look in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and you can instantly just impose uh, virtually Uh, different floors, and you can see exactly how they're going to look in your room. And, of course, they also service their own warranties. So if an issue does arise, you can just call Empire. They service those warranties themselves so you don't have to go track down a manufacturer's phone number and deal with that other third party. So go ahead and schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use promo code CHGO. Restrictions do apply. See EmpireToday.com slash CHGO for details.
0: You got to check out Empire, and then you got to check out Midtown Athletic Club. And look, they have four Chicagoland locations, Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the North Shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and the Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. And actually Midtown, Palatine has launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be done in early 2024. So you can look into lock those favorable rates and course there's somewhat there's something available for everybody whether you're single family with kids people looking to make lifestyle changes or holistic wellness and all the people that have been to midtown athletic club at CHGO, all i've heard them say is that midtown is truly next level and it really does look next level with all the amenities they have there some features of the clubs they have the arena which is a high intensity interval training amazing outdoor and indoor pools and hot tubs so you got to check that out and you can do so by heading over to midtown.com/chgo to find out more and to tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you.
2: Good stuff there, Nick. Let's go ahead and move right on into the Chicago Bears wide receiver group, and we know where this conversation is going to start. Wide receiver one, DJ Moore, and hey, what a year for DJ, setting career highs across the board in his first season in Chicago. Uh, honestly, just such a a joy to watch. I'm grateful he's a Chicago Bear. I'm sure all of our listeners and watchers are here too. And I just knew he was you know, destined for a great season as soon as he started taking slants and screens to the house in the preseason. And that did carry over uh, to the regular season. And speaking of carrying, boy, did DJ Moore have to carry a lot of weight for this Chicago Bears offense this year. Other receivers, they weren't nearly as impactful. But when you look at DJ Moore's game, I'll be honest. It's hard to poke holes into it. It's hard to find like a glaring weakness uh, at all. But Nick, is there anything he can do to have uh, even a better season next year? Or does it kind of go down to coaching in the surrounding cast to kind of continue to unlock more of his potential?
0: Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. Will, because I think when it comes to running all the routes in the route tree, obviously DJ Moore can do that. We already know how tough he is once he gets the, the ball in his hands more, more like a running back than he is a, a receiver just in terms of how he's be able to create those yards after the catch the over the shoulder catches when justin fields needed a guy to go to he was a sure-handed man but i think when you look at even like this last packers game you know you can you can take away a main target like that one when you don't have an offense that has competent um play calling and also route concepts in itself but like you do need a you need a a Batman to a Robin, right? And Cole Komet was a nice compliment to that. And maybe I said that backwards, but I think yeah, I a little bit. It. I was like,
2: wait a minute.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think you you needed someone someone needed to step up at the wide receiver position. And there are plenty of opportunities for a Tyler Scott. And you know he made some plays here and there, but some of those bigger plays that need to be made, they end up being drops or he miscalculated the the uh, trajectory of a football in the detroit game and so things like that but for dj Moore, he's going to continue being a a number one wide receiver i don't know why jtl sullivan the qb school he doesn't quite still proclaim him as a number one he has still issues with him but he's been fascinating and fun to watch and just electric for the spares offense so he's he's awesome
2: I see this one from Kareem in the chat. Bring in Mike Evans. I mean, hey, he's a free agent. The Bears have money. It's uh, something we can debate and discuss throughout this offseason. But I like where your mind's at. Finding, but well, who would be Batman and Robin in that situation? We can discuss that, too, uh, at, at a later point. But we all know. But it's okay. Uh, let's move on here with Darnell Mooney, who is up for a contract now uh, this offseason. And we're going to discuss if the Bears should resign him here in the next segment after we break down all these wide receivers. Uh, But looking at Mooney, he had 61 targets for the second straight season, which still is a sharp decrease from the 119 average that he had in his first two years, only three touchdowns. These last two seasons, including only one score this year. Uh, again a far cry from the eight scores that he had in his first couple of years and i'm sure most saw that clip this week from the saint brown show where amon St. brown said that he felt bad for mooney uh, because he's been open but the bears just weren't throwing his way so nick uh, i know you've been at all of these games this year is that what you've been seeing is there more to that or is there any explanation that you may have for that massive and i mean it has been a massive dip in production the past two years and it's if I had a guess, it's just due to the Darnell Mooney jersey that I got for Christmas two years ago. The the correlation is uncanny. My jersey luck continues to be, you know, piss poor, but that's a discussion also for a different day. Uh, but for real, like, what's going on? Why can't the Bears have the same Darnell that we saw in years one and two? Where's that guy at?
0: Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a combination of a lot of things because I think there mm-hmm. were opportunities where Justin did miss Mooney on a couple of throws. There are also times where I think, and I go back to the Washington game, I want to say it was almost, I think it was the first play of the game where it looked like Mooney hesitated for a slight second. There was a deep 50-yard play to be had, but just for some reason, the connection that should have definitely been there all season just wasn't between one and 11, which is, it's so interesting because those guys had connected in previous seasons before DJ Moore got here. But also you factor in, he, he, there was a portion of the season where he wasn't healthy. And then how, you know, I thought he would thrive from the slot position because he had done it, you know, in his first year where he got that thousand yards, he was more primarily playing the slot. But again, for whatever reason, he just, he just wasn't, the football wasn't finding him. And that one, the one touchdown that he had, I believe it was week one against the Packers, if I'm not mistaken. That was the last time he scored. So I think there's a, it really is a bunch of different things. You can't just stem it to, you know, Mooney was just bad. I don't think it was just that. I don't think he was as good as previous seasons, but it really was just a bunch of things that unfortunately didn't go right for a guy that, you know, awesome, in the locker room and contract year. It's unfortunate, but I think if he does go elsewhere, which I think is going to be likely case, He's going to find more success, a lot more success than what he had in 2023.
2: I'm right there with you. I don't want to rehash it, but the way I can summarize Mooney and trying to find a ration and a reason for his dip is complicated and it's so many different things go into it. And I think it's a little bit of quarterback play. It's a little bit of Mooney himself. It's a little bit of the play calling uh, the focal points of the offense and I don't know. You go back to years one and two Darnell Mooney and you've, he was obviously a primary target and weapon, right? Like he surpassed Allen Robinson immediately. Uh, he was a guy that was taking these screens uh, and running through tackles. Like I remember the rookie Darnell Mooney would not go down easy. And I just don't felt like he's had those same opportunities to make those sorts of plays where he gets the ball quick in space, makes a guy or two miss and then you're looking at a 20-yard gain. Like, I haven't seen that. And I don't know if they're just trying to overcomplicate it or, or what. But it's definitely complicated in itself uh, for Darnell Mooney's uh, decline in production. And uh, we'll, play, we'll play some pass for play in a minute and say if the Bears should bring him back or not. I'm um, Just looking at some of the younger players on this roster. Of course, you have Tyler Scott. You have second-year player Bayless Jones Jr. Um, as a rookie, Scott finished fifth on the team in targets with 32. He came away with 17 catches. 18 drops. No, I'm kidding. 168 yards. Bayless Jones Jr. Rarely targeted. Um, his seven targets was half of the total he had as a rookie. He was also less impactful this year when used as a runner. So there's le- clearly lack of development from Bayless and trust from his team to be more involved. Uh, which honestly I get. Uh, but between the two, Tyler Scott is the one to be more high on. I think that's pretty glaring and obvious. Even though we all can admit he has some work to do with those hands. Um, but is there anything, any general theme or anything with uh, any of these young players that you want to see them work on this offseason to be better next year?
0: For for Tyler Scott, I think when you have the speed that he does, the God-given speed that he does, like, it's just working on the little nuances of just how to catch the football, like you mentioned, Will, because there were some drops that he had, even on, man, I'm trying to remember exactly the game there was a fourth down opportunity that he caught over the middle of the field and he he his explanation because he let it go right into his body he's like i just really wanted to make sure i caught this ball it's like trust your hands trust your hands trust your route running trust what you're supposed to be doing on the play and i get it he's a rookie he's a rookie wide receiver still learning the intricacies of his offense so and he's the one that has the most upside out of the guys that you mentioned because for bayless jones jr right now uh and herb howard gotta give him credit for this he thinks he'll be a running back next season and like interesting herb and because we just haven't seen him develop as a route runner we really haven't and the way he's utilized on kick return and he's been in the backfield sometimes i think for polls he's still trying to hang on to something that he thought was going to be more than what it was when he drafted him in the third round out of tennessee and I just, you know, I just don't know if you're ever going to really see him become somebody that they consistently rely on outside of those jet sweep gadget type plays.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a, I, I know the word was Debo coming out, right? That was the one word that polls kept using, which was lofty. Uh, and it was something that like perked my ears up immediately because that's a hell of a comparison and a really good player in this league. But maybe he's more of like the poor man's Cordero Patterson. Uh, and I know Cordero mm-hmm. left Chicago, did some good things in Atlanta for a year, but I don't know. Uh, it's uh, unfortunate. I was high on Bayless yeah. coming out of school. And and I could be honest and saying, like, obviously, he's not reaching the standards I thought. And my level of confidence in him specifically has dipped drastically uh, since he's been here and, uh, you know, I can own that for sure. Hey, I told the bears to draft Jalen Johnson and you're welcome. All right. Anyway, uh, well, anything from EQ and his six targets? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We don't need to talk about it, but he did catch five of them, uh, this hey. year. So, Hey, bang for your buck, throwing EQ's way, uh, when it comes to like the biggest area of improvement, uh, for the Chicago bears here at wide receiver, Nick, you talked about it with offensive coordinator talk. I want more production for my wide receiver two and my wide receiver three. Uh, The most dangerous offenses in the NFL have at least two receivers that can be consistent, impactful pieces. Uh, Just looking at the Bears this year, uh, DJ Moore had over 70 targets, 60 catches, and 900 yards between him and the second leading receiver on the Chicago Bears. And that's just a huge gap uh, that the Bears must overcome. And explains a lot of their struggles. And again, it's complicated. It's all about the Darnell Mooney conversation. There's a lot of factors that go into it, but whatever it is, whether it is uh, signing another receiver v. free agency, whether it's bringing in a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., the Bears need to find that bona fide, now it's like bona fide wide receiver one, now is bona fide wide receiver two. And just looking at the top four passing offenses, Miami, you got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, both over 100 targets, both over a 1,000 yards. Detroit's the different one. They're number 2 Amon Ross St. Brown's the clear one, but they don't have a clear two. But how do they compensate for it? They have a clear two, three, and four that bundled together mm-hmm. is a hell of a two. And Josh Reynolds, Kalief Raymond, and Jamison Williams. And then Dallas, they have C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks. San Francisco, you have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Like, you need, you don't, it's not the same NFL it was 15 years ago, where if you have one guy that can't be stopped. Defenses have learned how to stop guys. You need a guy number two to take all that pressure off. So for me, I want to see more production. I believe that means the Bears need more talent and better play calling. Uh, if I had to just boil it down, um, but that's what I want to see. I want to see more more production outside of DJ Moore, which I know you hit on early.
0: Yeah, no, well, that's exactly right. And I think too, when I'm looking at the Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator at Seattle, you have DK Metcalf who had, let's see, 1,114 yards. You had Tyler Lockett, 894 yards. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 628. Like, that's kind of the idea, like, where even, look, that's a stacked lineup there, but that's what teams are going towards now. You need to have multiple wide receivers that can be the number one read on a play, not just one guy anymore. That's not how it's done. And the more options I think is going to be better for regardless of that quarterback. So I'm going to agree with you. 100% 100% there will just need more weapons around whoever's at quarterback next season.
2: And I will say this, I know the bears finished number two in rushing, but there is one more theme and someone in the chat, I'm sorry, I forgot the name and I don't think it was a super chat. Um, so it doesn't get like marked differently over in our system here, but they said, the, all these other offenses have like a, like a RB one, like an actual running back that can also change games and take that pressure off of quarterbacks. And mm. again, look at the top four passing offenses, Miami, you have Mostert, Of course you have, you know, the rookie there too. Uh, that he was changed, yeah. lighting. Exactly. I just forgot how to pronounce it. So I was just going to move on, but thank you, Detroit. Uh, I, you have uh, a couple really good running backs led by David Montgomery, Dallas, Tony Pollard, San Francisco, Christian McCaffrey, who's also a sure. really good receiver coming out of the backfield as an option. So, yeah. Uh, and I know running back talk would be safe for next week, but it is another, it's not lost on me that the top four passing offenses also have really scary running backs uh, that can also threat a defense. So just wanted to at least say that before I forgot that thought, uh, my confidence for the wide receivers is at a, I, I think too high at a seven. Um, but that's a lot of DJ more, a lot of that is DJ Moore and the trust that that wide receiver too is coming via free agency and or the draft. But it's a high seven, maybe a little too high. But again, a lot of that is DJ more.
0: I'll put it at six and a half and also at the idea that they're going to add. They have to add because they're at a point where they're going to review this film and they, come, I, they have to come away with the same conclusion we just did. Well, that there needs to be more more than just dj Moore, so i, I think i'm going to put it at that and you know whether that's free agency or i think they'll draft their wide receiver high in this draft um they're going to add more talent around uh the offense of 2024
2: i saw a, a comment i was like who does stroud have oh my um you know a guy that really helped me on my fantasy team and nico collins uh was yes. a really good receiver there too and then outside of that tank dell Del, robert woods noah brown all were able to kind of you know, leverage themselves and combine to be that those next secondary options. So again, continues with the theme. You need more than just one. And unfortunately, last offseason, Nick, we thought bringing in DJ Moore with Darnell Mooney was that answer. Don't think that maybe is the case, um, but I don't think our logic changes. It's just that what we thought was the answer to get there was not the case. All right. Take a breath. We have one more segment to get into, and we're gonna wrap up this episode. And it's a quick round, actually, of mm-hmm. our one of my favorite games. And and I put it in my notes every time we play it. Still one of my least na- my least favorite named games. Pass <laughs> or play. You know, it's it's a good game. Uh, I always feel like we can improve, but after almost a decade of doing it, it, it is what it is. So we're gonna play pass or play. I'm gonna give you a free agent to be here in Chicago. And Nick, you tell me should the Bears pass on this player. Or should they bring him back, play him here next year? And I'll begin with the most difficult one, Nathan Peterman.
0: Ooh. um, You know what? I'm going to say pass on that one. Well, as much as I had to think about that one. But I have a feeling he'll make it on this roster next season. He always does. Like, he'll he'll just bring (laughs) bring him back. Uh, But again, maybe different, again, different OC. So maybe they might want something more out of that position, but I'm going to pass on the Nathan Peterman experiment.
2: I I pass in theory. I do appreciate, I think his football mind and his experience in the system and having Mm -hmm. that in the room, it's going back to like the um, Tyler Bray kind of conversation, right? Uh, There is value there, uh, but at the same time, maybe the bears can look around and upgrade. And again, I think, uh, I mentioned earlier, pushing Tyson Baygent, uh in off season and in training camp would be great for both Tyson and for the Chicago Bears. So I would like to see someone who can do that, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency, come our way. Uh, what about Equinemius St. Brown EQ? Nick, you got a contract early last offseason. Does that happen again? You know, well, I don't I don't think it
0: does he just obviously didn't do a much do much this season to be completely honest and you know you're you're wanting to look to upgrade the the entire wide receiver room not just from the top from the bottom up and you know for what eq was supposed to be a more blocking wide receiver again he just wasn't on the field enough so yeah i think you're i think you're gonna pass on eq
2: all right i'm right there with you Trent Taylor real quickly I we didn't even really mention him because he didn't have much of a wide receiver impact more of a special teams punt return of guy and even though I understood because of all of the fumbles uh, that the Bears had last year I, I don't know if Trent Taylor moved the needle and would be worth coming back and just my honest opinion I don't feel like he was dynamic by any means yeah I mean he was brought on
0: you know because Valus couldn't be a consistent punt return guy and then you have the Trent Taylor game against Cleveland and that was that was really it, the weather was really crappy that game the wind was crazy mm-hmm. but you know is i guess i can see them playing it if they really don't have anyone else at the punt return position but as long as you don't have them blocking the edge on Rashawn Gary on a run <sighs> play on second and two i think i'll be all right but to answer i'm going i'm actually going to pass on Trent Taylor too
2: uh, i'm right there Um, he's a free agent to be, he is a wide receiver. There's not a lot of draw off on this, but Joe Reed, any thoughts? Is is it worth the consideration here? No. (laughs) Okay. All right. But I did save, I I think the, the hardest for last year uh, purposely, uh, which is Darnell Mooney. I I know that he didn't have the season uh, that any of us expected or hoped for. And I, I know coming off the injury that he had, uh, I ex- anticipated there could be some adverse effects, and I'm not saying it was the injury. I'm saying it's complicated. Uh, but this being a contract year and not having ungodly numbers, too, also will bring that price point down depending on what he would warrant in the open market. So that should be considered here. Uh, if you bring him in on a team friendly deal and a free agent and you go someone in the draft, then that could be a situation that is, you know, worth looking at. But as of today, january 12th do you let darnell mooney at least enter free agency Uh, and then again that's the point of this game so pass or play on darnell mooney
0: yeah you let him enter free agency see what his market is from other teams and then if it doesn't work out i think will just doesn't work out and look i darnell's been awesome in the locker room and it was a tough year for him it really was and You know, actually on locker room cleanout day, he passed by us and was saying that he's still in that concussion protocol. So you you just hope for the longevity of his career that he you know can make it out all right, that everything in his head is okay. But uh, yeah, if it just doesn't work out well, you're unfortunately passing on Darnell Mooney.
2: I I think you let him test the water, see where that market's at. Um, I I know Ryan Poles respects the hell out of Darnell Mooney Mm -hmm. as a, a person and a player. Uh, So I'm not opposed to him coming back if it is a one year kind of prove it deal. Like, Hey, you know what? Last year wasn't it. Um, But we do have belief in you and we're going to build around you. Uh, Maybe that's the path. Maybe it's not. Um, But it's as much as it's complicated to figure out what happened to Darnell Mooney, it's complicated to figure out what you should do with him uh, moving forward. Uh, Is there anyone that, is under contract next year that is at risk of maybe not making the team next year. Like Bayless Jones Jr. To me is someone that is there only 550 K in dead cap. um, If you let him go. Uh, And then of course, I mean, there's a, there's a really, 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 really big name here uh, that I think we've kind of dabbled into off and on, but is there anyone uh, that you would bring up here as like, Hey, you know what? They are at risk of not being here, even though they're technically under contract. I mean, Velas is the main guy
0: that comes to mind here, unless he really shows you a reason why you need to have him on the 53 man roster. Like you got at this point now going into his third season, you gotta be, if you're Ryan Poles willing to cut ties with a rookie just because it has not worked out. Um, other than that, well, it's funny. Cause I have the Bears stats up right here. I still see chase Claypool's name on there. I'm like, Oh, that's right. Oh My goodness. He was here. Man. That, that, that was a thing. He's doing great things in Miami, by the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. The explosive offense, he has to be doing something over there.
2: No, but the other one is Justin Fields, uh, is someone that is at risk of not being cut. Uh, he would definitely, if he's not here, he would be traded. Um, But I do think, as it stands today, like, the Bears just don't know. Like they, I, I think they may have a hope one way or the other, how this thing can go but I don't think there is a concrete plan that is a hundred percent in place one way or another when it comes to Justin. So for me, I still think he's at risk of not being here. And again, I, I don't have an answer <laughs> uh, and I don't think anyone does right now.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I don't think, you know, anybody could have an answer yet, and especially bears management right now. They need to interview these draft prospects. They need to talk to them and they're not at that point yet. And once he gets more information on who the people are behind the guys that they see on tape, then you're going to get more clarity as to what you you potentially could do at such an important position. So, yeah, look, there is definitely no doubt there's definitely a risk that Fields will not be on this roster in 2024. We have to acknowledge that. That's the reality. But, yeah, it's just at this point, I don't think he knows. And even if he had leaning one way, something could come up draft process is crazy i'm i'm sure maybe the bears had a, a thought that they were going to actually get jalen carter until stuff happened right mm-hmm. so we don't know but not to say that things will pop up but we'll just gotta we have to wait it out and as of january 12th i don't think anyone knows
2: uh i saw a few comments uh, about other players like hey like what about eddie jackson hey what about cody white here and what i would like to say about those players specifically is hey Let us come back next week and we'll continue assessing all these position groups. We'll play the same passer play for those. Let you know who we think will be here, who won't be here. Everything that we just did here uh, overall, we'll just keep on going down to give you the full state of the Chicago Bears franchise. Uh, Before we go, I know there's a handful of Super Chats that we're kind of waiting to the end here. Uh, Patrick says, "Hey, Caleb Williams hasn't declared for the draft yet. The deadline's Monday. Just saying." Uh, thank you for the $5 super chat. We have a few days. Uh, I've been seeing players all morning I think starting to mm-hmm. declare or declaring. So, uh, we'll be patient here on this, uh, but we do appreciate the comment and the
1: Yeah, I'm going to jump in here just to add on to the Caleb Williams declaring because <clears throat> while your show is live, Twitter and you know there's never a dull moment on Bears Twitter. Never. But uh um a uh, parody account uh wesley steinberg who has gotten other fan bases and teams with stuff and he has yet to delve into bears twitter pick the perfect time and and put a report on twitter a false report saying caleb williams will declare for the draft if the bears trade the pick and um it's obviously taking on you know twitter by storm we've seen a few people in our chat share it today and so, you know, we appreciate the super chat bear down, Mike, but it is a false report. You got got, and that's okay. It happens to all of us, namely me with David Montgomery being traded. So no judgment here. Uh, that's just kind of the game on Twitter. You just got to be careful. I called Hoag about it because he makes his account look real uh, as like an agent. And he has a large following. And sometimes those are indicators that it's a legit, Uh, account. And um, it's just the wild, wild west when it comes to reporting on social media. So you got to be careful where you get your information from. And that's why you follow this guy right down here. Nick Moriana. will give you the factual information here at CHGO Bears and, and Will DeWitt as well. So make sure you follow them and Adam Hogue, and then you'll know the truth about what's going on with
2: and then Greg's like 50, 50 in the off season news. You just never know <laughs> that Montgomery thing will hold.
1: Do not listen to me on any breaking news. I'll stay in my <laughs> meatball.
2: There you go. It's a coin flip, uh, but we appreciate you regardless, Greg, uh, throw up any super chat and we'll get to it here uh, from Andrew would either hire for offensive coordinator. Uh, would that be an insight to keep fields for draft Caleb Williams? I, I, I think we hit that earlier in the show. I don't think so. Uh, I think they're going to go for the best coach for the Chicago Bears and the best leader for this offense. Uh, they may have, I think, again hopes and desires of how it can go, but I don't think. I think Ryan Poles is smart enough uh, and experienced enough now. He's he had the first for overall pick two times in a row. I, I don't think he's going to let those cards get anywhere, you know, off of his chest. He's going to keep those very, very close
0: yeah and i think too andrew what they said was telling in the end of your press conference when they're interviewing these ocs they better have a plan for whether it is maybe caleb or justin how are you going to adjust to both of those guys so i don't know if what whoever the hire is is going to give you an indication oh they're definitely going with this quarterback over the other so don't uh don't quite agree with that
2: uh and i think the next one here comes from uh Steven, if we're going right on down the list, uh, thank you for the 999 super chat. Someone show needs to t- to loosen Cram's tie on NBC Chicago because I don't know why he didn't push back on Dave saying that Floos had those guys ready. No, they weren't. That Green Bay game guys had a lot of separation. Yeah, I appreciate the chat. I didn't get to see that one specifically. Nick, anything you needed to add on it?
0: Yeah, what's going on there, Mark? Do your come on, fight back! You were doing it yesterday with Hogue, and you do it all the time with Greg. I want to see it next time I watch Charm, it on TV.
1: Carm's got the backbone of a, a worm. But we'll just say it like that, and we could we can talk crap about Carm while he's not here. I have no problem doing that.
2: Aww. Now I was thinking about the the Hercules movie with all the like we're worms and they're. Just I like, did say oh, yeah. we
1: were talking about posture on the show the other day, and I did say he had the posture of a pregnant worm. <laughs> so <laughs> we've been we're five days into the off season, and we've uh, resorted to just roasting each other here here as of late. We've got a long off season to go. Uh, should be interesting by day sixty where this is going. Uh, the Duke. <laughs> uh 81 the duke we don't need to add the eight one one his name uh, doesn't need an introduction here at CHGO. we appreciate the duke 1999 super chat he said can't believe people trying to start physical fights with greg with me on twitter did they not see his hands real funny duke we went over that yesterday guy has those hulk smash hands you get at walmart physically <laughs> attached to <it. laughs> that's right i got the big pause i got the big pause but uh if you can't take the twitter heat you got to stay out the kitchen so it's all love on this end um you know never match the advice i always give people on twitter is never match the energy someone gives you especially if it's negative energy i like that
2: that that is good Good advice Uh, Uh,
1: greg we have
2: another i'll leave with that words of wisdom i'll go Bye. Uh, then we got there this one from away. Bristol BB, another 1999. Thank you so much. This one's for you, Nick. Can you ask polls if Flusser's job is on the line if he doesn't have a winning record in the division, and if not, when will he be extended? Is that a question you to ask similar gonna...
0: questions uh, during the end so. of your press conference. Um, it didn't seem like Ibraflusser's job was on the line if even if it doesn't go according to plan. Um, for based off of what you know, polls and. Kevin Warren was saying and look they do need to start they they have started a little bit to become more competitive in the division not against the Packers apparently but I we do need to start doing that and they didn't say Kevin Warren didn't say that contract talks when we talked to him had even started uh and that would have been on Wednesday
2: there we go and then the last one here from Brendan Henderson uh which is one I saw should you keep mm-hmm. or pass Jackson and Whitehair I, I hate to leave you on a cliffhanger um but white hair will be discussed next week without question. Eddie Jackson here and a little bit. And Hey, you know what? Brendan wanted to shoot us another $5 here real quick. Uh, and this one's for Greg. Has anyone ever told Bragg's that he looks like uh shoe. Nice. 22
1: question. Mark. I don't Do Are we supposed to know who shoe? Nice. I don't know. 22? I'm
2: going to have to look it up here. Um, But shoe if nice no one's 22. ever told you, then we have the answer.
1: I've been told I look like fat Tim Tebow. I've been told that I look like, I've also been told I look like fat Jay Cutler. I've been told that I um, look like Jonah Hill. Uh, this one time, this kid was on, we were on a boat on, my, on our lake where we live in Crown Point, Indiana. And this guy's like, you know who you look and sound like? And this was right around Super Bad. And I was like, if you say Jonah Hill, I'm going to throw <laughs> you off this boat. And he said Jonah Hill. And then, I proceeded to throw him off the boat while we were moving. So, um, yeah, I know. What whoever I look or sound like it's all I'm the fat version of that person. It's okay. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it, okay? It's not easy. I'm you just go Greg. I 30 230. I cannot get down any further. I need to get on Nick's program. So,
0: you got it. You got it.
1: <laughs> Sharon uh yeah, Sam Jones here final super chat.
2: Hey, you never know. Uh, Sharon Moore for offensive coordinator. Hey, you never know. More super chats could always pop up because I was gonna ask Nick if he had any final thoughts or anything else that he wanted to make sure that we hit on before we call it an episode. No, well,
0: like honestly, this this episode, especially with just Justin Fields talk, could have still been going. But Not you know. know, this is what these stay of the franchise episodes are gonna look like. And you know, it'd be nice if we got some clarity on the OC going forward so we can more so focus on the guys that are currently on the team and what's you know, their, their state going into the 2024 season, but appreciate everyone who's tuned in. We're going to be here all season long. It's going to be your place to get all your bears coverage. So make sure you're tuning in Cedar bulls coming up at the end of the month. So also big, going to be a really good resource us here at CHCO bears to learn more about all these potential prospects.
2: I love it. I'm gonna do a quick shameless plug to kind of end the episode. Uh, If you are ready to take your fandom to the next level, make sure to join our diehard membership today and become a a part of our exclusive community of dedicated sports and Bears fans just like you. Imagine getting your hands on exclusive merchandise that lets you wear your passion on your sleeve. And obviously, that's just a start. As a diehard member, you enjoy completely, you know, an ad-free experience on our website, keep you focused on what matters most. And there's more. You can also become a VIP at our events at 20% 20% off discount. We're talking tailgates, watch parties and more. When you connect with fellow fans and create memories uh, that last a lifetime. I'm not kidding. You are tailgates like or like one of my favorite memories each and every season. We've done them so far the past two years. Can't wait for year number three coming up. And signing up is just super easy. Head to allcshowcom slash join diehard. The link is here on YouTube. It's also in the description in your podcast player of choice. So remember, being a diehard just isn't about following your team. It's about living the sport. Join us now and be part of the biggest and best sports community out there. Your teams, your passion, all in our CHO diehard community. So go ahead and become a... Die Hard today, but I want to thank everyone here uh, who watched this episode whether live, the replay Uh, we really do enjoy all of your engagement and of course your support of our show. We'll be back next Friday, at least Nick and I as a duo to break down the final three position groups on offense, running back tight end and offensive line, barring any breaking news that maybe we'll have to throw our plans out the window but that is how we're expecting to enter next Friday but until then have a great weekend. Be safe with all that weather out there. And of course, bear down Chicago. We all